What's up, everyone? It's the Lob, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Shapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing excellently after that game last night. How are you doing? I am doing very well. That was a fun game to watch. I really expected them to lose. We both did because we're because we're Clipper fans. And they did not. They won. They won pretty, not easily. It was a close game. Fourth quarter, yeah. it was tight. Um, it was actually a really fantastic game. Uh, it started the way I was kind of worried it would start, but then the Clippers really rebounded well, and they, they really, everyone played well. It was a 112 to 102 win. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this game. But yeah, it was kind of weird. So yesterday, I was watching uh, with a Laker fan buddy of mine, and another friend who's neutral but really loved basketball. And, you know, me and my Laker fan friend were both grew up in L.A. Um, and it was like something innocuous. It was like something about like shoes or something and why I wasn't super into basketball shoes. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I don't really, not really into basketball shoes. But the whole like the whole conversation and in general made me just kind of think of what it's like being a Clipper fan in L.A. because – I feel like if you grew up loving this team, and most of us, a good chunk of us, uh, were born with either friends that love the Lakers, family often that love the Lakers, and just watching this game and just seeing the very 50-50 nature of what was going on, maybe even slightly Laker-oriented, but actually I thought the Clippers did really well to really represent the team yesterday. But the whole thing, and I think I listened to a little bit of the new Bill Simmons pod, which talked about the just the atmosphere in the arena yesterday as well. And the whole thing, you know, growing up a Clipper fan and just being a Clipper fan in Los Angeles is very much a Laker town. It's just so strange. And this feeling with this Kawhi team, is just very different. I just feel like we've constantly had to defend not only why we like the Clippers, but even sometimes why we like basketball in general and, and just liking the team has lent us, a lot to a lot of just weird criticism amongst our peers in Los Angeles. And it's just strange kind of dealing with it. I feel like you can't escape the whole idea of being a Clipper fan in LA. If you've been a Clipper fan long enough, the whole criticism about being a Clipper fan in general, it's just very strange, like having to constantly explain yourself. And now this Kawhi team and the bomber era and probably Lob City um, to give them their due has maybe started a new generation of Clipper fans, but being from an older era, and I know you come from, you know, before Lob City as well, Rob, it's just a weird feeling now. And you kind of wonder, yeah. this is a Laker town still, Los Angeles is. I'm not even in LA. Even while I've been away from LA, I've constantly been surrounded by Laker fans. Even when I lived in <laughs> Europe, Europe, I lived in Europe for two years and I had Laker fans around yep. me. It was crazy. Um, but like, do you feel different now, Rob? Or is it, I mean, I, I know we're pessimists on this pod. I think kind of, kind of shows how long we've been rooting for this team, but now just watching that game yesterday and just the vibe that Kawhi and Paul George bring to the team. It's just, a weird, a weird vibe that I feel like I'm not used to yet. I think certainly the Clippers probably have a larger stake in LA than they've ever had before. Absolutely. Um, definitely. I think larger than even peak Lob City, I would say. Yeah. I think the crowds at peak Lob City were, were full. 
and they were excited and they were passionate. Like those middle years, especially there were some amazing crowds there. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I mean, I think there's always been like, how does anybody know a Clipper fan? There have always been plenty of Clipper fans. It's just LA is so big and it still is so Laker dominated that there just seems like a, you know, a vast outnumbering. I do think that they have made inroads. I think Lob City definitely started it. I think the Lakers own incompetence and shitty basketball <laughs> situation right, right. Yeah. Um, harmed them a little bit. Um, you know, I definitely think Lob City was a start. I think the years the Lakers were bad and not even bad in a fun way, but just bad and not very exciting. Um, at least to most casual basketball fans, I would think. Um, certainly took some away from them. It's still a very heavily weighted Laker town, but I think it's more Clippers oriented than it's ever been. I think if the Clippers continue to be good and hold on to Kawhi and Paul George for the next, you know, more than two years, like let's say four to five, even I think that difference will shrink even more. Uh, Cause those are the type of level of stars. I mean, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are on this level too, but I think, you know, coming off of the championship uh, Kawhi is, is certainly at a huge level of fame. Paul George has always been extremely popular, even back when he was, you know, more of an all-star level player rather than a full-tier all-NBA superstar. Uh, he was extremely popular, and I think both those guys are bringing more fans. And I also think, I mean, there's a whole generation, or maybe not a full generation now, but certainly a half generation of fans who've grown up with really good Clippers teams. I mean, if you were born in the year 2005 and you know, you were six in 2011 when Chris Paul came over, it's, you're now 14, you're now in high school and you've only ever known Clippers teams that were in the playoffs outside of the 17, 18 season when they were still perfectly competent and very fun to watch. So I I do think that there is a different vibe now with Kawhi and Paul George. And I think Clippers are kind of, you know, making some progress, but there are still a very long ways to go. This is still a heavily oh, Lakers town. I just think the phenomena of being a Clipper fan born and raised in Los Angeles is like a very interesting one. That's almost unlike any other sports phenomena I can think of. Even being a Nets fan um, in the Jersey years or, you know, it's been so long since the Knicks were competent. So maybe maybe during the Spreewell years, uh, being a Nets fan wasn't that much fun and similar. But the Nets have been the better team and definitely the more competent team for so many years. I feel like this isn't even a comparison because the Lakers have 16 titles and the Knicks do not. They have very, very few success, especially since the time they made the finals uh, against the Spurs in like the shortened lockout season in 99. But I just feel like the phenomena of being a Clipper fan and like what you kind of have to internalize (laughs) just Mm -hmm. being a Clipper fan amongst so many Laker fans who constantly question why you're a Clipper fan. I have, I like when I think about it, like I absolutely have insecurities just like having to constantly explain myself to people. And, and like, I felt it when I was younger, like I, I, I was bored in a Laker household and I quickly realized I didn't like the team. And really I was a Clipper fan very casually for many years. I liked the team more, but they, they really sunk their teeth into me uh, during the Elton brand years. And then it's been just pure Clipper fandom more than anything else since then. Like, as far as my knowledge goes, uh, before then I watched some players, you know, you have to kind of have secondary players being a Clipper fan because you would like to see some success. But now it's, 
I've had years and years of internalizing all that kind of, all those defense mechanisms. And I feel like it's kind of, it's still taking me some time to shed. Like what, what do you feel about that whole phenomenon, Rod? We don't like, we don't like to talk about this on this podcast. We don't like to give the Lakers more due than they deserve, but just watching yesterday and seeing the Clipper fans really show out in a game that I thought that very much was going to be Lakers dominated. I think the Clipper fans really showed out well yesterday, but like, how do you how do you kind of get past that now that we're in this new era with new fans who probably will just have migrated with Kawhi to this team? I mean, I think I think that's probably where the biggest progress is that I don't think it's considered weird anymore to be a Clippers fan. There are lots yeah. of Clippers fans. Um, I think a lot of bandwagon people came over with Chris Paul and maybe especially Blake Griffin. And I think a fair amount of, fair amount of those have stuck around. I certainly know people who left yeah. either with Blake or with Chris Paul, or even with guys like JJ or DJ, or even maybe Jamal, you know, all those guys had dedicated fans. Uh, but a lot of them who came over during the bandwagon Lob City years have stuck. Uh, there were always more Clippers fans than people thought. You know, as you mentioned, there's kind of like this defense mechanism where you don't like to talk about it. Uh, you you kind of keep quiet about it because you're not necessarily ashamed you're a fan of the Clippers, but like, you know, they're not good. They're owned by this, you know, awful owner. And it's just not something a lot of Clippers fans, I don't think, talked about. And now it's just, you know, they're Clippers fans. There are lots of Clippers fans. And I do think a lot of that internalization of being that second team and being a fan of the second team, I don't know if that's going to be a thing for young Clippers fans anymore. Because I think, you know, growing up, I still think, you know, all those Lakers fans who who have kids, I think most of them will grow up being Lakers fans, at least to one extent or another. Um but I, I just don't think it's going to be the same anymore for, you know, I wasn't really a Clippers fan when I was a kid either. So I didn't really have to deal with like being that weird kid who liked the Clippers. Um, but I don't think that'll really be a thing anymore. Like it's, it's going to be a Lakers town. It's going to be a Lakers town for as far as we can see into the you know foreseeable future, but progress is being made. And I think, you know, a lot of that, you know, being out on your own has, has definitely diminished. Yeah. This evolving dichotomy, I feel like it's just like very, very fascinating and has gotten more fascinating now that we actually have great ownership and a great front office. It's going to be really interesting to watch as the years go by. And uh, I feel like, man, what a change of the guard. And now let's talk about this game because uh, this game was awesome. This was so much fun. It was exciting from the tip that I actually missed a bit of. Did you see it from the beginning, Rob? Because I was watching the TNT feed. I missed the first, like, 45 seconds when yeah. I was trying to find NBA TV on my, on my TV in my new apartment. Um, so I basically saw the entire game. I missed, you know, like, maybe the first minute. How was the actually, beginning? a little bit more, but yeah. How was the beginning of it? Because I, I, was, I was caught on that overtime feed, and we didn't have NBA TV. Uh, how was, they were awful. This, yeah, it seemed the like Clippers it. <laughs> were, they were dreadful to start. Um, I think the Lakers came out real hot and real aggressive. I think the Clippers certainly looked a little sluggish. That starting unit, it did work pretty well in the third quarter. I don't have confidence in it long term. I also don't think it's something Doc is really going to use all that much. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Pat Patterson Zubots duo was not really working on either end for the Clippers. They weren't getting any easy shots. They were getting beaten in the paint. Um, AD looked like he was absolutely everywhere. 
Right. And yeah, I was I was never worried. I mean, the first five minutes of a game are always not always, but usually just who cares? Like it's five minutes. Um, you know, teams go up 15, 20 points all the time in the first quarter and lose that lead by halftime, you know. So I wasn't really too worried about it. I think there were some Clippers fans who were like, oh, we look the same as we did in preseason, uh, you know. Of course, yeah. But they did not look good, especially offensively, I think. They looked very stagnant. They weren't moving the ball very well. They just weren't able to create uneasy shots. And that all changed as soon as uh, – that duo of Lou and Trez came in and uh, the game switched and the Clippers, I wouldn't say they were in control the rest of the way because the Lakers certainly fought and the Lakers took back the lead at some points. And, um, you know, late in the third quarter, they looked like they were coming on super strong, but I think generally after the first five to six minutes, I think the Clippers comfortably outplayed the Lakers over the rest of the game. Yeah, pretty much. Aside from that little quick stretch with Danny Green, just couldn't miss anything. And uh, (laughs) Danny Green was fantastic. He's easily their third best player, healthy or not. He was really, really good yesterday. Um, And he continues to be a quality player in this league. Unfortunately, after Danny Green, the quality players kind of slip off a cliff for the Lakers. Um, Avery Bradley, uh, Hey, surprise, Avery Bradley was very mediocre. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was 3 of 7, which actually is probably a highlight uh, for his L.A. tenure, Clippers, for <laughs> Lakers, and hit a couple of threes. In fact, hit a three-pointer uh, with, like, what, one minute and a half left or so? And the only thing I could think of is, oh, my God, if Avery Bradley leads this team to come back, then I might stop watching basketball. Um, yeah. yeah, Jared Dudley also hit a three that made me very, very upset. A couple of threes that uh, I did not appreciate whatsoever. And those are their rotation players. Jared Dudley played 13 minutes. Avery Bradley played 24 minutes. And that might actually, you know, be less than he might play going forward. Yeah. I was actually surprised at how little Bradley played. I thought he would play more, especially with Rondo out. I mean, Bradley is probably objectively their fourth best player, right? Uh... I mean, when when Kuzma's healthy, I'd say when Kuzma, Kuzma. Right, Kuzma is definitely higher than him. But right now, that's pretty sad. I would sad. argue – I think KCP is better than Bradley. As, badly, as bad as he looked yesterday, I think over the past two to three years, on aggregate, he has been better defensively and offensively than Avery Bradley. And he's certainly Ugh. no prize. No. Um, but I, I think his, his size – um, makes him more versatile defensively. I think he's a better shooter. I'd say KCP is better. I mean, I think there are even arguments to be made for like JaVale McGee. Uh, Bradley yeah. is, I mean, he's certainly a rotation player for them. Like he should be getting minutes on their team, but that really just says more about how shitty their, yeah. uh, their bench is. Like, and it's going to be worse when Rondo comes back because Rondo is awful and Vogel he's is going to play Rondo 25 to 30 minutes a game. And that's great news for Clippers fans because Rondo yeah. sucks. So, um, I was concerned at the beginning of this game about the Lakers' size because I didn't feel like the Clippers were getting anything towards the rim. I thought they were shooting a lot of jumpers, and I thought Kawhi was just taking over the game, and I didn't know how sustainable that was. Their size is is definitely a thing, um, and it was definitely concerning. It was definitely concerning initially. Nobody can guard Anthony Davis. He is an absolute monster uh, for virtually every team in the league he didn't look particularly incredible but I felt like he could have got what he needed the Clippers did a good job packing the paint and trying to force him out of it because as soon as Davis posts up anybody he it's just 
you know, to quote Shaquille O'Neal barbecue chicken. And it's nobody lasted a chance. The Pat Patterson thing I thought was meh. I mean, I understood why Doc gave him some run and maybe even started him. Actually, I didn't really completely understand that. But okay, I guess like Pat Patterson's whole calling card has been been a sturdy post defender that could occasionally hit threes. And he did, he was fine, I guess. It's obviously not particularly sustainable. Yeah. But what did you think about, you know, this is a team that we might be facing in the future, you know, whatever he wants to downplay the rivalry. They are a very good team. And when you keep in mind that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are arguably, you know, two of the five or so best players in the league, and uh, Davis looked very good and very much like he wanted to have a good game. He per- he particularly didn't, you know, have it on the box score, but I was terrified of him all night. Yeah. So what did you yeah. think about their team and Davis and LeBron in particular? So I think, I think both teams kind of showed off exactly where their weaknesses are right. and how those weaknesses kind of play very oddly into each other. The Lakers have great size and the Clippers have no room protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Ivica Zubats. He played okay yesterday, and certainly he was much better defensively for the Clippers last season than Marchand Gortat or Boban. I think he's probably still, on aggregate, better defensively than Trez, even though there are lineups where Trez looks better due to his energy and his ability to guard out on the perimeter. Zubats is still much bigger. He's better at defending bigger guys in the paint and in, you know providing some rim protection. But on whole, the Clippers just don't have any rim protection. Nobody's afraid to go into no. the paint against the Clippers ever. Not at all. Um, you know, if anything, you know, Paul George and Kawhi are probably going to provide more of the rim protection this year than anything else. And while they're excellent defenders, two of the best in the NBA, uh, you know, that's not good for your wings to be handling the rim protection burdens like that. And the Lakers can feast on that. I actually thought Anthony Davis, while I was terrified of him, he settled a lot for jumpers. He did. And he did. those are not. I mean, he can hit him, but that's not really his game. So I think the Clippers played him very well. And then the Clippers' weakness and the Lakers' weakness also fits perfectly into the Clippers' strength, which is that they have no wing defenders. Their best wing defender is Danny Green, who's very good. But he's 6'5". I mean, he did a pretty good job on Kawhi, uh, but ultimately he's a little small. And then he would be very undersized compared to Paul George, for example, LeBron cannot guard those type of guys anymore, at least consistently. Avery Bradley is too small. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is too small. And that's it. That You've run out of decent perimeter defenders on right. the Lakers. They have nobody to guard. You know, maybe Green can guard Kawhi pretty well. They have nobody to guard Paul George. Um, and even guys like Mo Harkless and Rodney Magruder, I mean, they're not offensive weapons, but they have size advantages over the Lakers counterparts. And I mean, I think it's interesting that the the Lakers and Clippers' strengths and weaknesses kind of play right into each other. It would be a fascinating playoff series. Yeah, I would be. still be terrified of it. Um, yep. I still don't think there's a single player in the NBA who's scarier in a playoff series than LeBron James. Um, do you I, think, will, I, I wonder if that's still going to hold true by the end of the season. I do wonder. I mean, yeah. I, he's definitely slowed. He's slowed. In recent years, he's slowed. Uh, and he and he looked and he didn't look bad yesterday, but but he didn't look great. No, um, I mean, I think the low post, you know, in the mini episode he did with Windhorse, they mentioned that it's been so long since he played like a real meaningful game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's used to playing into June, and last year the Lakers were out of the playoff race by like what mid March, right? So it's been a while for him. 
I'm still pretty terrified. But, I mean, he's definitely slower. He doesn't have the same athleticism. The shot, at least yesterday, looked kind of wonky. I think in general, since he left Miami, it's been fairly inconsistent. And, yeah, I mean, I think in a playoff series, he still might be the scariest. But I think there are definitely arguments to be made that by the end of this year, he's probably not regarded as a top-five player anymore. I think that could very well happen. Um, yeah, it could. I'm not going to say it out loud too much because he's LeBron James <laughs> still. But that's yeah. he very much did not look – he was not the best player on the court by no. a, a bit yesterday. Oh, I was. And that's far. surprising. That's surprising. Okay, now we can talk about the Clippers a little bit. The Lakers are definitely a formidable team. We'll be talking about them next time we play them, but that's enough press for them. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard was – you know, before I talk about Kawhi, my favorite thing about yesterday's game, and we mentioned some things, you know, Zubat was meh. Harrell, who was great and was often in position, I was always a little concerned about him going to the basket because you could tell the size of the Lakers more than anything is intimidating to me because it really cuts off a lot of Montrez's pick and roll action. Like sometimes when Trez went to the basket, he could feel their size and he would like think twice. He Sometimes he had some plays against LeBron where you could kind of almost hear LeBron in his head because he would hesitate. He was huge to close the game, scored over smaller defenders, which being the key word. But they're concerning to me, particularly because of the Lou um, Trez pick and roll and the fact that that size can kind of negate a lot of Trez's ability to finish in the paint. What do you, th- what do you think about that whole idea there, Rob? I mean, I worry more about Trez's size defensively than offensively. Sure. I think the guys who can bother Trez are not just big, but are also strong. And really, there aren't that many of them. I don't think the Dwight Howard we saw yesterday has the strength or athleticism. Yeah, my gosh. Howard, Howard's so skinny. He lost like 50 pounds. Jeez. Um, It was really like Like a a bad 50, right? Yeah, he did not look good. No. Um, you know, JaVale McGee. He, I, I thought he played well, but like considering <laughs> yeah. considering what his role probably is going forward. But yeah, he's lost a lot of weight. A lot of yeah, muscle. I, I, that was very weird. Um, JaVale doesn't have the strength to compete with Trez. I mean, AD does, and his size and length are so ridiculous. It's just their length. It's a lot of Trez. length. Yeah. But I don't really worry about Trez that much offensively. Like, really, the one guy who consistently just smothers his, him as Embiid, I think. Um, right. You know, there are other guys who are really big and kind of strong, like Carl Anthony Towns usually does a pretty good job on him, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not that worried about him. I worry more about him defensively, where I thought he played well yesterday, but the Lakers also played into his hands by taking jumpers and by going smaller themselves. Right. I think, you know, if they just done more pick and roll with AD – and gotten him on the move more towards going towards the basket, I think the Clippers would have been in trouble. He's just too small to really do much against Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has like five or six inches on him. Um, So I don't necessarily worry about the offense with him. Um, He's a fantastic offensive player. His passing has improved. His decision-making has improved. He does take a few too many of those little jumpers from my liking. Um, you know, his game will always just be bullying people around the basket, but his hands are magnetic, and his his dance with Lou is just so special to behold. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I would worry more about him defensively than offensively. I just – they need Zubats to be playable against these bigger teams. 
Yeah, Lou Williams was a beast yesterday. He looked ridiculous. Man, I just I don't he's understand. So good. I don't know how he just walks up to even in preseason, how he just walks to the floor as if he's like never stopped playing. He's just always in a rhythm. It's incredible. I think he could do what he does except wearing sweatpants. Man, and he's so good. I just want to <laughs> I just want to watch him live and like pick his brain. He's so smooth. And uh, he was great. I don't even know what much else there is to say about him. Yeah. He was, he, yeah. I mean, I think Kawhi was the best player for the Clippers. Yeah. But I don't think Lou was that far behind. No. He was, I mean, the defense is the gap, of course. Yeah. Um, but I thought Lou actually played decent defense yesterday for him. I didn't really notice any breakdowns that came from him. Uh, there I mean, were he, he, was guard, he was guarding Avery Bradley often, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. Quinn Cook. I mean, there were times yeah, he was Quinn a little Cook. slow. Uh, but overall, I thought he competed pretty hard. He was certainly in the right spots. Uh, he was incredible as a playmaker, as a scorer. He just got wherever he wanted. The, the Lakers have no answer for him. Watching Avery Bradley try to defend him will be <laughs> one of the best things I've seen all season. Oh, my gosh. He picked yeah. up three fouls on him in, like, five minutes. And it's, also, it's also so funny hearing people talk uh, about – Patrick Beverly being too hands-on and like getting too much under a player, which he does. He absolutely does that. And then ignore it with Avery Bradley because Avery Bradley is like Avery Bradley and Patrick Beverly are to an extent kind of similar in that way where they're just like, just give the guy some space. You're going to pick up fouls, you know? And, and Bradley, Bradley can't guard Lou Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Lou was fantastic. I thought Mo, Mo Harkless was probably the Clippers' third best player. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about Mo Harkless a little bit. He was – he is everything that I kind of want in that utility swing spot. And I'm still not sure about trading him for Andre Iguodala. And yesterday yesterday was just more of the same. He does so many little things – He's just a Swiss Army knife defensively. He's bigger than you realize, and we've already talked about this, but he's a big guy. Like, he can guard fours, most fours in this league, probably fairly comfortably. He was on LeBron a lot of last night. He had a corner three. Uh, he does a lot of little things. His hands were everywhere. I don't know how many steals and blocks he had, but it must have been multiple for each because his just hands were just consistently blueprinted all over this basketball team. And... Uh, I wonder how much harder it's going to be the idea of trading him for Iguodala, who obviously has has postseason reps, because the idea will be thrown out there. I don't know if it's going to be something that gets done, but people still talk about it. But do we – Mo Harkless might play his way into an almost, you know, very, very important piece to this team who might be closing games with some consistency almost. Like, what do you think about Mo Harkless, Rob? I mean, he was fantastic in preseason. He was – ridiculously good yesterday defensively. He was a tracker. I mean, he's been in the NBA for a while. Um, you know, I think he was good with the Blazers. I think they're going to miss him, especially defensively. There have always been kind of rumors that he's kind of inconsistent on, on both ends, and there have been effort issues, I think, or s- supposedly anyway. Um, but defensively, I mean, he's just good. He's very good. And I think he fits in perfectly with Kawhi and PG in terms of being versatile and being able to switch. He's a little bit bigger than those guys. Certainly than Kawhi. I think he's a little taller and a little, maybe not stronger because nobody's stronger than Kawhi, except for maybe Montrezl Harrell. But um, he's just very big. 
Um, and like he was able to guard Anthony Davis pretty well yesterday. I thought, you know, for as good as anybody can guard Anthony yeah. Davis. Right. So he's going to be very useful. I would be worried about the shooting holding up. I think he shot right, really right, well. And right. I, I think that will be streaky, right. but I think he's a smart player. And I think defensively him, PG and Kawhi with Pat Beverly is just going to be an absolute man. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the fact it's that the menace. Clippers not just got him for free, but took back a first for getting him remains one of the craziest moves of the summer. He's very good. He's just going to be a very valuable piece. I, I just have a feeling I'm going to become more and more attached to him as far as being a Clipper as the season goes on, um, unless he just drops off a cliff uh, shooting-wise. But he just seems like a very heady player. And it's been a lot of fun watching him early on. I was texting my buddy, um, who is a Blazers fan, about Mo Harkless and just how how much that community loves him. And they all, he told me that very much every Blazer fan misses him quite a bit already. Just He just did so many little things. It's somebody yeah. who I didn't really appreciate until I saw him play for the team and just feels like he's constantly in the right spot and doing smart things. So I'm very excited to see Mo Harkless evolve as a Clipper. Um, is Kawhi Leonard good, Rob? He's very good. I thought offensively yesterday he was just fantastic in terms of picking the spots. Uh, you know, just being patient, playmaking. He had that great pass to Harkless in the corner for three. Oh, yeah. Um, his move on Danny Green in transition, which was stupidly called an offensive foul, which mm-hmm. was absolutely not an offensive foul, was brilliant. Yeah. Um, at this point in career, his career, he's a better offensive player than a defensive player. I don't think it's really even that close. Crazy. Um, and... Defensively, he's very good, but offensively, he's so hard to guard in isolation. Just his combination of size and strength and shooting makes him just – there are very few guys who can stick with him and bother him. And we really saw that in that second quarter where he was just shooting over everybody. And you can't knock him off his spot. His handles are not flashy, but they are really good. He does not turn the ball over much. Um, His playmaking looks to be much improved. Um, even over last year, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, he was ridiculous yesterday offensively. Like, most times when he shoots, I think it's going in. It's crazy, especially with a shot that that's, that's uh, that flat. <laughs> but every time he takes the ball and shoots it, you have a lot of confidence in where he's putting it. And it's usually right on the money. He was fantastic yesterday. We can just go through all of his plays, but he was – he was very good. That left-handed dunk is uh, my favorite play of the year. We'll see when it gets topped, probably by another Kawhi play. He was, he was really, really good. That uh, he also had a, that great fadeaway on LeBron James in the fourth. Um, that was very memorable. But you're right. I think something that kind of gets not lost, but something that we didn't expect was that he'd be able to pass like he's been passing. He's been doing really good, and I know he kind of improved. It felt like in the playoffs he got a little bit better. Uh, but he's been a really, really effective playmaker. And it co- it also makes you a little bit less concerned about the idea that the Clippers don't have natural point guards particularly. I've said this phrase a couple of times, and I probably beat it to death. The fact that, you know, Pat Beverly, um, Lou Williams, or uh, Landry Shamit aren't necessarily, you know, natural born point guards. They're all very capable of handling the ball. But with Kawhi Leonard and probably also Paul George when he comes back, it doesn't feel like that's maybe as huge of a concern as many of us were making it out to be in the preseason. Terrence Mann and, uh, and of course, Eric Walton Jr. are also capable of handling the Rock Drum Robinson. Um, but 
it's probably not as big of a concern as we as we thought it would be just watching Kawhi handle and make some great passes yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's very well-rounded. I think playmaking is probably still the weakest point if you had to say one, um, or slash decision-making. I think he had a couple times where he really shouldn't have shot it or shouldn't have done what he did with the basketball in his hands. But, I mean, he's a top-five um I'd say he's probably a top five offensive player in the NBA and uh, you know, he's still up there defensively, certainly when he locks in. So it's going to be great watching him this year. It's going to be even more fun watching him and Paul George play off each other. I'm really excited for that. Um, but yeah, he was great watching him play over 30 minutes, looking very healthy, right. uh, going all out that dunk, as you mentioned, was great. Um, it was still, it's just crazy seeing him in a Clippers uniform. Pat Beverly was very much Pat Beverly. Um, two points, 10 boards, six assists. Um, great defense, which is the best. <laughs> uh, and he was great. One for seven from the field, 0 for five from three. Didn't shoot particularly well, but he still gave us very much Pat Beverly effort. Jermichael Green had four threes and played very well as well. Really, the whole team played, played pretty well. Ibaka Zubat played well in a short time. It's concerning that he wasn't able to be on the floor and, you know, he did seem still a little timid, but hopefully that picks up. I'm giving him a little bit of slack right now because it was the first day it was against the Lakers. Maybe it was intimidating, but you're completely right. He needs to be able to play against teams like this. Landry Shamit, I thought had some nice threes. Um, only, but he played 26 minutes and did fine. Maybe he wasn't huge, but I thought he contributed pretty well. I just, I don't know about them trying to play him on Baltimore, mm. I get. I think for his long-term development, I think that'll be very good. But I just think he's so much better playing off ball. They did do some off ball stuff for him. They did, but I would rather him stick mostly off ball. I, I get they want to develop him and kind of turn him into that kind of versatile combo guard weapon. Um, I just don't know if he's quite there yet as a ball handler or playmaker. But I thought was, he overall played well. I thought he played he, well defensively, too. Was he dribbling up a lot to start the game? I missed the beginning of the game. Was Only he like, a little. I mean, he yeah. didn't do that much. I think just more than last year. Um, right. I thought the most interesting part was just the rotation and how Doc only played three guards. Yeah. No Terrence Mann, no Jerome Robinson. Um, you know, Magruder's out. Maybe he would have gotten some minutes. But, you know, after all the talk about Mann and to much lesser extent Jerome, neither of them played at all. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It could just be because the Lakers are so big. The Clippers went big to match. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out in future games. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's a good point, too. I, I don't know if that will stick, but we'll see. And that's mostly what I have to say about the game. I mean... Anything else you wanted to mention from a player standpoint? I think we touched the most. It was a kind of a short, not a short rotation, but four guys off the bench, all of them played substantial minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the swing piece this year will be Zubats in a lot of ways. Um, You know, if he can play against these bigger guys and hold his own, then the Clippers might not need to make a trade for a big man. I don't think he was even that bad yesterday, but they just need him to be better. They need him to be more physical. They need him to be, you know, a better rim protector on defense. And yeah, I mean, I just think he's kind of going to decide if they make big moves or not. The interesting thing is, um, I think they were also talking about this on the low 
Windhorst podcast is I just don't know if the Clippers really need Andre Iguodala. I think he'd be nice. Certainly having a guy of his caliber as defender and playmaker is great. And adding him to the Clippers defensive roster is, is really good. But as you already mentioned, Mo Harkless is really good defensively. He's a lot younger and he's also bigger, um, which is valuable, especially against guys like LeBron and even, you know, AD. So I think there is some value there, but you know, I just don't know if they need Iggy. Whereas if Zubots does not take a step forward, they might need a big man. Yeah. And as much as I like Derek Walton Jr., and I do think having an extra ball handler is nice, I'm still kind of puzzled that they didn't sign Joakim Noah. Maybe Noah didn't want to come over because uh, no team signed him. So maybe he wanted more money or wanted an outside just role or I don't know what. Or maybe he's just really difficult to work with. I don't know. Um but I'm still a little surprised they didn't sign him because I think he would have been very useful yesterday, even in just a handful of minutes. Oh, absolutely. I wonder, I wonder if he's – hopefully he's healthy. Maybe. Yeah, that maybe. could be it too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely wanted Noah. I think we've both been um, pretty pronounced on how much Jakeem Noah would mean to this team. So we'll see. Maybe he'll catch on to some team as the season goes on. Maybe he needs to play himself into shape. Who knows? I don't really know for certain. But definitely another big – especially against a team like this, would be very much useful. I mean, first, like, we didn't really have any bigs considering Zubat only played 10 minutes. So it's kind of interesting to see the rotation selection that Doc went with. Much you want to say about the rotations yesterday and, and what we're going to see going forward? I just don't know how much they'll – I mean, I wrote an article today about takeaways and it was mostly rotation-centered. I already mentioned the thing about the guards. I think Patterson starting was – Interesting. I don't know if that'll continue happening. And then we already talked about Zubats. I think those are kind of the rotation takeaways. Uh, I do think we'll see Man sooner than later. Uh, maybe Jerome will get a shot too at some point. Doc is not going to keep playing nine guys forever. Uh, Magruder, I certainly think, will be in the rotation when he returns right. from injury, which right, right. it sounds like will not be too long in the future. Um, so, no, I don't think I really have too much else to add. I think that. You know, Doc kept it short both because the Lakers are really talented and because of their size. He kind of just went a different direction. There are games where I suspect Patrick Patterson does not play. I don't think he's going to be an every game type of player. Um, but for what it was, I thought he played, you know, pretty solidly in that second half yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great win. It was a really fun, really exciting game. As we already discussed at the beginning, the crowd noise and the crowd energy was kind of unlike anything I think we've seen at Clippers-Lakers games before. It sounded fantastic. I wish I was there in person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for more games in this series. I think they'll all be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think we can go to Twitter questions. Okay, great. So we, we only have a few. Um, the first was from Anthony Doyle. Was last night a warning to the NBA? Uh, this, of <laughs> course, shot at the Lakers for posting right. um, on their Twitter feed. Uh, to some extent, you know, to take the question seriously, I think a little bit, because they looked very good without Paul George. As a joke, I wish the Clippers had tweeted that. Um, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it is kind of refreshing after a lackluster preseason that the Clippers showed up and, uh, and showed up well, undermanned already against a pretty good Laker team. So, yeah, I guess it's a warning. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question from Edgar Smith is, who's going to guard AD with a bunch of the crying laughing emojis? Patrick uh, Patterson. <laughs> Patrick Patterson. Right. Uh, Jermichael Green. 
Yeah. Oh, Harkless. I thought they did a pretty good job on him. I mean, he can get shots off whenever he wants, but they baited him into jumpers, and I thought they yeah. walled off the paint pretty well. So I thought they did great. I mean, and we also mentioned about the lack of size for the Clippers already and the lack of wing defenders for the Lakers, but they have no shooters. You can pack the paint against them all day and just ask anybody to shoot. Like, virtually anybody, aside from Troy Daniels, who is limited in many other ways, like, and Danny Green, who's a bit streaky, even Danny Green, I wouldn't call like a like a sniper or anything. They have no shooting, so like yeah. just pack the paint, let them shoot. I mean, Danny Green is a really really good shooter. Uh, Dudley can hit threes. Quinn Cook can hit threes, but I mean, yeah, I mean Dudley, was, Dudley and Quinn Cook like came into your into yeah, your league like, real those quick. Those guys are very limited in other ways. So right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, the Lakers definitely have quite a few weaknesses right now. Next yeah. question from Big Ben at Step Back Tree. Does Patrick Patterson have a real spot in the rotation when PG comes back? No, I don't think so. I think there will be nights even when PG's out where he doesn't play. Yeah, um, he feels real situational. Yeah, which I think is perfect. He's like the yeah. 12th or 13th man. That's what he's there yeah. for. So uh, I think well. there will be, be nights where he plays, even when PG does get back. I think there will be nights where he plays. But I think there will yeah. also be nights, there will be stretches where he doesn't. He's already given me much more than I expected through the preseason and now. So it's been very refreshing to know that Pat Patterson is capable of being like a situational player because he was really bad last year. So, Next question from Wamey Giveaway. By Zubats playing only nine minutes, is it time for Doc to concede to small ball? Uh, are they better off having power forwards pretending to be centers? Could Leonard and George be tasked to defend the spot? I think George and Leonard will play power forward sometimes. Um, and I think that could actually be the Clippers most dangerous defensive lineup when they go small and can switch just about everything um, with, you know, maybe Beverly, Kawhi, PG, Harkless, Jamichael Green, like a super small lineup. Yeah. But that does give up even more size and rim protection and such. So I don't think it's time for Doc to concede to small ball, not least because this is only one game against a really good team. And, you know, Zubots, again, wasn't great, but he wasn't awful. So I think it's too early to write him off for sure. But, uh, you know, too many more games like this, and we're going to have to wonder if the Clippers are going to make a move at some point. So Yeah. I yeah. feel like too, too many games like this, if Zubat is just completely – he wasn't invisible, but just under expectations, then uh, we're going to make a trade. So that's pretty much how I feel about Zubat. I don't think we're going to go the whole year just saying, okay, well, we can just go small. If Zubat is really this inconsequential, and I don't think he will be. I think he'll, he'll get better. But if he is, then we're going to have to make a deal because we, we can't just do small ball the whole time around, especially when in the playoffs you're going to meet, you know, your Lakers, not just your Lakers, but your Denver and uh, your Philly possibly in the finals. Um, even even a team like, you know, Milwaukee has their share of bigs. They might be playing the Lopez brothers together for, for goodness sake. So, yeah, there's going to be size to be faced in the playoffs. So we can't just concede that Zubat is inconsequential and we just need to go small all the time. That's not going to fly all the whole time. So Absolutely. Um, next question from Don John at John Evans 57. Do you think they look for more center help at the trade deadline or through unsigned players? Uh, we've kind of already discussed this. I think it, it basically all comes down to Zubats, maybe who's available, but, um, I think it really depends. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, next question from the last question from John Flores at JK Flores 157 favorite unstatable play from last night. 
uh, hmm. the Pat Beverly offensive rebound. Oh yeah, that was great. I watched that on replay a couple times over. It was great. I'm trying to think what else. Um, let's see. That really was the play of the game. That kind of sealed the game. All those offensive rebounds at the yeah, end. Yeah, that was which, fantastic. Which is statable, but that was Yeah, those great. are statable, so. <laughs> Avery uh, Bradley's play was also my one of my favorite unstatable play, uh, players in general. Very unstatable. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, maybe if, if we're going true unstatable, maybe uh, Pat Beverly, when he knocked the ball away on the, the lob to AD, I guess that goes into deflection. Oh yeah, but, but so uh, apparently it sounded like I I read in the post game that Doc Rivers had a bet that yeah, they w- they would uh, be able to that. prevent that that turnaround dunk that AD loves to do, and the bench got super hyped for that deflection. That was super super cool. Yeah, no, I thought that if we're doing unstable, even that I guess is a deflection is statable, but I'll go with that then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the gist of what we wanted to talk about. Any more questions? Nope. That's it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're good with questions. Um, next game is tomorrow against the Warriors. The Clippers should, it's in new center, but um, I think the Clippers should win that one after the game that we saw yesterday. I think their defense should be ready. The Warriors are maybe even thinner than the Lakers. Actually, I don't know if it's even maybe. I think they are thinner than the yeah, Lakers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Steph and Draymond will never not be scary. But the rest of that team, outside of, you know, D'Angelo Russell and, I mean, then Kevon Looney, who's not bad. But, I mean, after that, I mean, it's the Clippers should win that one tomorrow. Yeah, let's hope they do that and not like flip what our expectations were to start the season. Yeah. But it should be a good game, should be entertaining. Steph Curry is going to be lights out, I'm sure. He's going to oh, be yeah. riled He's going to be up. gunning. He, he, Steph might drop 40. I mean, Steph, I think, is going to lead be, the NBA in scoring this year. I'd he's, be surprised if he didn't drop 40 tomorrow, honestly. I guess that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I think he's going to be hyped. We can't guard him. We don't have anybody. Can guard him. I mean, oh, we have Landry Shamit, of course. So maybe we can't guard him. <laughs> Steph Stopper. <laughs> You're uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I think Curry is going to lead the NBA in scoring this year. I think he's going to average well over thirty points yeah, a game. I, I think. I don't even. No play. I, I think it's just going to be between him and probably Harden. But yeah, I think he will lead the league in scoring. He's going to be a lot of fun every yeah. game. I'm excited. You know what? I'm excited to watch the Warriors again this year. Um, the thing, as I think I've mentioned on here before, the thing I was most angry about Durant was ruining a fun, I mean, I still did not like them, but they were so fun to watch objectively, uh, especially Curry. So, um, I'm excited to see Steph unleashed again this year, except against the Clippers who I'm sure he'll average like 50 points against, but, um, it should be a fun game again tomorrow. And that new stadium, it's going to be a lot of rich people, but I'm, I'm guessing they'll still be pretty loud for that first night. Oh yeah, they'll be loud, and it's the Clippers, so it's gonna be it's gonna oh, be yeah. a a fun game, and I think that'll do it for this episode of the Lob Jam, the podcast. We should be back over the weekend, and uh, that'll be a fun episode. And I'm excited, man. This is gonna be a fun mm-hmm. year. That game got me really hyped. It made everything kind of feel real, even through the preseason. It didn't completely feel real, and it absolutely is real. Kawhi Leonard is the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Clippers right now are kind of title favorites, which is just crazy. I, I don't think – a lot of you old-school Clipper fans that listen to this pod, 
it's going to take some getting used to and uh, maybe some internal um, <laughs> breaking of your personal feelings as far as expecting losses and just being pessimists like we often sometimes are. But this is a new era and this is an exciting team and this is going to be a fun year. So we'll see you guys over the weekend. And as always, go Clippers! Go Clippers!